Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Riftwalkers. If you're enjoying the show, let us know with a review or rating and make sure to tell your friends about it. It's the best way to help the podcast grow. Now, with the party on their way to Marehold, let's get right back to the adventure. So you find yourselves in the relative quiet on the road to Marehold. You and Aurelis have just vanquished this group of Almoran horsemen. You have not very much time left in your journey, and you reach Marehold then without any further incident. Aurelis is quiet the rest of the journey as you see the gates of Marehold before you. So as you are approaching the city, there is a large wall encompassing a good portion of it that's a little bit raised, sort of on a hill. You can see the neck far off to the right side, running past the city, and you seem to be coming from the southwestern direction. At this point, Aurelis does speak up, and he says, That there, that is Southgate. We will enter there, enter the city, and I will take my leave from you. I, I thought you would at least show us to where we could find the... Leader of Merhold. Baron Huttle. Yes. The keep is on the direct opposite side of the city from the gate that we are approaching currently. Very well. Well, we, we thank you for accompanying us. I am remiss to say it, but I thank you as well. Okay, so you see... <laughs> Luca Somebody shoot him! Okay, Just so Luca... Shoot him in the head! Honestly! Luca doesn't oh, say anything. Oh, one more thing. Boom! He's not super confrontational. However, after Reese says thank you for accompanying us, the look that Luca gives the back of Reese's head is one of such anger and disbelief that he's just like, he can't handle it. And he just shakes his head and looks at the ground. And is just like, oh my gosh, what an idiot. And you can't tell if he's talking about the captain, the guard or Reese. So as you continue into Marehold proper. Oh, did Aurelis already leave? No, he's still he's still walking beside you. In oh, fact, oh, he's good. <laughs> instrumental in getting you through the gates. Good. And you walk through the outside shanty town that is Southgate. It's smaller cottages evolving into tighter packed buildings before coming to the wall itself, and then you are led inside. Okay. I'm assuming Captain Jerkface takes his leave. Yeah, so, so. As, as soon as we get through the gate, Reese turns to Aurelis and just says, Well, I think this is where we will leave you to take care of your business, and we will head towards the keep. I mean... We will both be traveling toward the castle ward. I will not go to the keep itself. I have business to do with the regiment. However, he takes a, a clasp from like his lapel on his jacket, and he hands it to Reese, and he says, Present this to one of the guards of the keep, and they will let you in to see Baron Huttle. Very well, thank you. And Reese just kind of keep, keeps on walking. I assume they're like walking at this point as well. Yeah, yeah. And we proceed to the keep. All right, so it's almost a mile through the city. It's a pretty well-defined main street that you are on from Southgate all the way into what you learn is the River District, then into a central plaza before heading even more northeasterly to the Castle Ward and eventually the gates and walls of the Keep itself, where two guards stand present outside the portcullis. Then Reese walks up and approaches the two guards, token in hand, and greets them. Hello. Good evening. My band and I would like to seek an audience with Baron Huttle, and I, I hold out the token from Aurelis and show it to them. The guard begins to speak, and he's like, oh, I do not... Oh. He looks at the other guard. The other guy kind of just, like, shrugs. He's like, yeah, why not? And the first guard's like, hey, I guess it checks out. Well, let's just see the steward. And he calls something up to a couple more soldiers on the battlements, and they raise the portcullis and wave you inside. Hey, did we get a letter of introduction or something from the people back at the White Flame? 
I thought that was the children of Oriel. Yeah, the white flame sure. and the bad guys. That's a good question, anyway. though. I don't, I don't remember if Efron had anything. Well, I feel like him. we had something, because there was like some way we were going to prove that we were like a writ of passage. Reese actually turns to Efron as they're walking through, because he was kind of at the head. And he says, you go ahead and take lead on this. This is your mission after all. Very good. And Efron, he just starts walking in front. Okay, oh. so you pass through the courtyard. It's quite ornate, but it seems to be in a state of disrepair. The fountain is not running. It seems nothing has been cleaned in a long time, and the hedges are a bit overgrown. Though there are people going about delivering parcels and soldiers on patrol, it doesn't seem like there is anyone that is taking care of the estate itself. Okay. As you approach the main gate of the keep itself now, it is wide open, leading into a small antechamber, which then has a doorway, which is, again, open, leading to a large hall where as you stride inside, going over sort of muddied red and purple rugs, large stone pillars going down either side until it comes to the head, where on a small dais is the throne itself. Everything is lit by candles, large chandeliers overhead, cast strange shadows in the recesses and corners of the room. And everything here is just a bit, it, it seems almost forgotten. As if this was only something that had been stumbled upon recently and left by some long-forgotten race. But is obviously not the case, as some of you would know that Marehold has been around for hundreds of years and the Baron's estate and family have held it for equally as long. So to see everything in the state that it's in is at least to probably Mick and Ifran a little disconcerting, if not at least odd. So I'm getting kind of like an Edoras but in stone vibe here. Would that be... Yes. Okay. Yes. Hmm. Okay. So there are guards posted every few feet along this grand hall. And at the very end, like I said, upon the throne is who could only be Baron Huttle himself. He seems uncannily old. He appears frail. He is barely sitting straight in his chair. And then arrayed beside him are a few other individuals that seem to be speaking amongst themselves. Directly to his right is a man in a purple and gold doublet, slicked back black hair, who looks very refined and quite young in age. Clean-shaven face, few marks on his chin where he may have nicked himself. And standing right beside him is a woman, seemed to be middle-aged, in similarly colored vestments. She is wearing also a doublet, trousers, and high jackboots. And she has some sort of instrument at her hip. On the other side of Baron Huttle is a man in black and yellow robes that go all the way down to where just the little tiny tips of his shoes are pointing out. Does the guy in the robes have any like symbols or markings on said robes? Not on the robes, but he wears a monocle and he also has a golden mask covering the bottom half of his face and there are different symbols etched into that does the mask look like he could still talk beneath it yes yes okay do you know hannibal lecter yes it kind of looks like that mask but not restraining him (laughs) got you as you are sort of walking down this hall toward this gathering at the end the clean-cut young man takes a few steps down from the dais and greets you and he says good day my name is high consul baldrick please i have word that you are to present yourselves for some discourse with the Baron? That is correct. I'm afraid that would not be well reasonable at this time. As you can see, our good Baron is in poor health. And Baron Huttles kind of leans forward and he says, I can speak for myself, Baldrick. 
Come closer. All of you, let me see you. Efron approaches the man, gives him a bow, and presents himself. Reese follows suit. And Luca does whatever Efron does as far as bowing goes. Mick does the same, but he slightly exaggerates it like he always does. So. Of course. When you say young, are you talking like 20s? Or are you talking like teens? Probably 18. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who, who is the 18-year-old? The Baldrick. Baldrick, okay. Baron Heddle, my name is Efron. We have been sent here by the children. Jordan, where do you come from, Efron? You have the look of the emir about you. Ah, your eyes are still sharp as ever. I am Emeric. I come from the north, but I have traveled much in my time. What is your family name? St. Mir. I do not know it. Not of any noble houses, then, I presume. No, but... Uh... Merchants, then? Yes. <coughs> yes, exactly. <coughs> yes! <coughs> like to travel, merchants are. Baldric turns to the baron. He's like, please, sir, if you would excuse yourself for the evening, I think it would be best. And the baron just simply shakes his head and... Please, con- continue on. Your, your traveling companions, who are they? Behind me, this is Reese. And he motions to Reese. And Reese gives a slight head bow. Mm-hmm. That ne- mask upon your face is most interesting. Are you an arcanist? Of sorts. Uh, maybe you and my, my arcanist. And he waves his hand over to his right, where the man in the robes is standing, who gives a slight nod. This is Holden. He has served my family for many years, and me for equally as long. Very good. Uh, next to Reese is Luca. Same thing. Head nod. Head nod. Um, <laughs> head nod. <laughs> head nod. <laughs> uh, behind him is Mick, and next Lirian. to him, Lirian. You there, the, the tailish one. And he points a withering finger to Mick. Mm-hmm. You are an entertainer. I see a loot upon your back. Indeed I am. Perhaps I could play you a ditty later. Yes, that, that would warm my spirit something awful. And Reese actually kind of bumps in at this point and he says, well, I would love to accompany. We've been putting together something that's quite splendid. Indeed we are. We are quite the spectacle. Well then, I, I formally invite you to dine with me this evening and perhaps at the... At the closure of our meal, you can entertain the assembly. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Baldrick? Yes, sir, that would be rather nice. Our first gig. <laughs> <laughs> as pleasant as that sounds, Baron Hattel, we have a pressing business to attend to. The woman goes over to Baron Hattel and takes his hand a little bit, and then she whispers something in his ear, and his disposition changes quite a bit. And then he looks over and he's like, yes, yes, that is true. Uh, uh, Baldrick, you, you, Holden, and, <coughs> and Quenberg will please hear these people's proceedings. I, I will retire now. And until the feast. And two attendants rush out and they go over and they help the Baron to his feet. And they escort him out of the room, which takes a good five or ten minutes. Just all standing there awkwardly yeah. in silence. No, that's, a, that's exactly what happens. Okay. And no one else says a thing. And then Holden walks over to where Baldrick is. And Baldrick takes a step back up on top of the dais. And the woman who Baron Huttle referred to as Quenberg steps down off of the dais completely and stands in front of you all. And she says, well, then present your business. Very well. We have been contacted by Baron Huttle. He has told us that you have two men in your custody, men who find themselves in the employ of Cantalgir. 
I know nothing of any deal between the Baron and roving mercenaries such as yourselves. We are no roving mercenaries. Please, pardon my rudeness. I am a representative of the children of Oriel. Perhaps you have heard of the deal that the Baron has struck with us. Some extra-religious sect from Almoran, if I'm to presume correctly? You may think what you will, but we have been contracted by him to help regain some of his lands. I do not believe the Baron would make dealings with any groups that the Church would disapprove of. I agree. Under normal circumstances, the Baron does not seem like the type to go to those outside of the church. But I think you would agree that these are no longer ordinary circumstances. I have no idea what you are referring to, no. I am referring to the fact that Count Algier has been taking Baron Huttle's lands. Baron Huttle's holdfasts are just that, fastly held. And there is no cause for concern in the lands of Merhold or the Neck or the Stream Barrows. Everything is well and accounted for. Baldric and Holden here can assure you of that. That is highly irregular. Count Algia has not made his presence known in the Ember Council for some months, but that is of no concern of lowborn such as yourselves. At this point, Reese takes a slight step forward addressing the lady standing in front of Ephron. If I may, I am not fully acquainted with the higher councils as you speak of, but on our journey here, we ran into your captain of the guard. And as we were journeying with him, we ran across 20 horsemen of Almoran under the employ of Count Algier, for sure. They did not treat us with any kindness, mind you, and one thing led to another, and we actually ended up killing them. Then you intend to tell us that the Count has no presence in these lands. Of course not. And I'm sure once Lord Commander Aurelis makes his presence known here in this court, he will say the same as we. And Holden steps down off of the dais as well and says, Gwenberg, please. It has been a long day for these traveling folks, and I do not think that it would be incredibly necessary to berate them at this time, please. We will lodge them as such, and they can maybe rest their minds and better recollect their memories. Perhaps you can try to explain yourselves more clearly at the feast this evening. And he turns, and he holds out his arm, and Quenberg takes it, and the two of them leave the hall. So it's just the boy or the 18-year-old guy who's there with us? It's just you and Baldrick. And then he comes down off the dais, and he says, It would be my pleasure to show you to your quarters where we will house you for this day. Very good. Please. And he turns on his heel, and he starts strolling down one of the side hallways. Reese follows, but he's keeping his eye out for anything that, I mean, after being in the mayor's quarters in Yellowford or whatever, he's kind of, he's been in buildings that are somewhat similar to this style. And he's just looking for any passageways or doors that he thinks might lead to either a dungeon or a keep or someplace here where they would keep the prisoners. And Mick does similarly, but is also looking for where Baron Hettel is in his quarters. Right. Both of you, as you're going, roll investigation checks. 18? 18. Okay. Well, both of you got 18. So, Mick, as you're going along, you're able to make out the tracks on the rugs. And, of course, by the clumping of guards as well, where it's possible Baron Huttle's private quarters may be, down an offshoot and then up a staircase of sorts. And then, Reese, as you're going along, you notice the same things, except, like I said, everything here is almost decrepit, but there is a certain point, and just out of the corner of your eye, and you might have missed it if you hadn't been looking, where it seems even more decrepit, and there's a small door just barely off to the side of one of the offshoot corridors that is probably a cellar of sorts. So you're still on the first floor of the keep, and Baldrick leads you a good ways inside, through a few corridors and down a few hallways around a few corners, and shows you into five separate rooms. At the end of one of these halls, And he says, 
in one hour, there will be attendants here to make up your beds and help put away whatever luggage and other things you might have with you. If you require anything in the meantime, I will be happy to assist. Thank you, Baldrick. And especially, let me show you, uh, all of you, please. And he takes you to the most terminal room and brings you over to one of the far corners where there's this large armoire. And he opens it up and he says, now, and he kind of like edges himself inside it a little bit. It's quite (laughs) odd. And then very quietly he goes, I can never be sure who is listening and who is prying, but I require your aid. How can we be of assistance? I fear that someone has been poisoning our good Baron Huttle. Whether by means of ill poisons or ill magic, I do not know. But I would ask, beg for your aid in this matter. He has not long for this world, I can tell. And I fear tonight's feast may end spectacularly poorly for him. Baldric, thank you for confiding in us. Quenberg, and the other one. Um, Holden, the organist. Yes. Perhaps do you know where I might be able to find them? Quenberg has a study in the southeastern tower at the very top, and Holden's Arcanist's library is on the mid-floor on the northwestern side of the keep. Uh, But I I would not truly suspect them. I think it is some outside influence. Quenberg and her family has served the Huttle family for, for generations. And my father knew Arcanist Holden from his time at the Arcanum at Mainstay. He was referred here by him, and he's been a loyal servant of the Baron ever since. But if you must pry, then just do so discreetly. I only ask, because it is obvious that the Count has meddled in the affairs of Baron Huttle. You speak of Count Algier? Yes, and I find it highly unusual that both of them would deny his influence in this area. I mean, we have not seen or heard reports. In fact, that's why we were waiting all for uh, Lord Commander Aurelis. Without his forward reports, we have no way of knowing exactly what is going on in the stream barrows. Communication has been shoddy at best. And Bodrick, one last thing. Say it is an outside source, like you say. It would most likely be someone from the understaff, whether they're the cooks or the cleaning. I wanted to go and maybe check out those quarters. Where would I find them? On on the lower levels, on the southern end, yes. Just adjacent to the banquet hall. Perfect. Thank you. Well, we have some things to confer among ourselves. We will wait for these attendants and... Yes, yes. And and as you can see, there's plenty of space to put all your belongings here. And then he closes the armoire <laughs> and he gives a little bow and he says, Attendants should be by shortly. Whether you're in your chambers or not, they can attend to your luggage and make up your beds. And he gives another bow, and he dismisses himself and leaves. Okay, so Luca turns to the rest of the group, and he says, well, independent of what Baldrick says, these people know something's going on. Otherwise, they're not worthy of their own titles. So we need to be aware. I don't trust them. I agree, Luca. We should all stay alert, and I believe we should investigate all avenues. And as much as we should have concern, we mustn't forget why we are actually here, to find these prisoners. I I think I might have spotted the corridor that would take down to the cellar on our way here. Yes, indeed. And I also saw the quarters of the Baron himself. So perhaps from his quarters, we could get some information from him. Time to split the party. <laughs> yeah, it is. This is how people die. I was going to say, we, we got five different places, five different people. Who's going to die first? <laughs> well, if no one is against it, Luca would be interested in visiting the Arcanist. So Luca, in turning to the group, says, 
I have some interest beyond just this and what this arcanist may be able to do. So if no one believes that they would be better for it, I would like to investigate his laboratory. Yes, I, I think you would actually be very well suited for that, Luca. And I would enjoy going down to the dungeons myself, but unfortunately with my armor and the bright light from my face, it kind of inhibits my ability to, to remain undetected. But Mick, I, I assume you would be able to find your way quite easily down there. Indeed I can. And honestly, Reese, I think you might be very useful in either this, the kitchens and servants' quarters. Your intimidating presence might convince them to open up. Well, Lyrian, Efron, where do you think you could be most effective? Efron mentioned possibly speaking with Quinberg, so if he's taking care of that, I might accompany Mick. Very well. I would suggest as well, perhaps if we want some more information, maybe later at the dinner, or even now, under, I mean, without the supervision of the guards and other escorts, I suppose, that would be important to talk to the Baron alone. That is a good idea, although I imagine they would not leave him completely unattended, especially in his health, or if Baldrick is to be believed, to let him be by himself to be accompanied by others. So do what you will, but be careful. And you split up. (laughs) (laughs) Never to see each other again. (laughs) And that's been the Riftwalkers. Thank you all for tuning in for this 15-episode joyride. So before we split up, Reese just turns to Ifran after the plan is made. Ifran, you you understand this culture much better than we. Is there anything we should expect in terms of events that we need to be at that will happen midday or specific people of power in the house aside from those we've met that should be avoided? I do not know the uh, particular politics of this area, but I believe that we already know most of the important people here in Merhold. I would be wary and I would try not to arouse suspicion. If there is something sinister going on, it could be bad if one of them were to become suspicious of us. All right, then, to avoid suspicion, perhaps we should come back in an hour when they turn down our sheets. By all means, do things as quick as we can, but don't push in our luck if we don't get anything. Then Reese looks everyone, seeing if they're all ready. Luca tips his hat and walks out of the room. Before Reese leaves, I look at him and just say, I don't think you'll need this, but best that you have it. And I hand him my Lykel that Mick had given me. Reese scoots a little closer, quickly grabs it, puts it in a side bag, and just looks at Larry and says, Thank you. Who has the bone dagger? I Reese do. does. Reese does. Just, just stab some servants. <laughs> <laughs> you look Tell like the, the embodiment of evil. <laughs> Die. <laughs> I'm, I'm just wondering, because remember, it detects evil. That's true. Reese checks his things and. Sets out to go to the south end to visit the cooks. Okay. Let's go kill some cooks. Jeez, Louise. Okay. <laughs> so Reese makes his way through the corridors until he comes to what is obviously a more plain part of the keep. Looking around, you know, these corridors are not so lavishly made up. There aren't fine rugs. There are simple lamps on the walls with candles burning. And then there is an open archway to where you can hear sort of a hearth burning and lots of activity going on. You know, people yelling and chopping and metal on wood, water running, things like that. It's the kitchen, very obviously. Very obviously. Okay. Reese reaches into a side bag and he pulls out his pan flute, has it in hand, and strolls into the kitchen. So immediately a large man wearing simple trousers, no shirt, and a white apron stained with guts and blood, holds up a cleaver from across the room and points it at Reese and says, Oh, now what in Vile's name are you doing in here? Ah, excuse me, excuse me. And he kind of holds, he just puts his hands up with the pan flute in in hand and just says, 
I beg your pardon. I meant no intrusion. You don't serve the Baron. You don't serve in the kitchen. Get out. But that's where you're wrong. I am serving the Baron, and he has actually instructed me to come here to get my dinner before the feast tonight. Why in Vale's name? What are you then? What's with the fancy mask? The mask has nothing to do with my act, I assure you, sir. But it is part of my... Act? Act, yes. Bloody. So, as you can tell, I am a traveling musician, and the Baron has actually invited me to perform for him tonight. Are there more of your ilk on the way? Uh, only one, but she has eaten previously to getting here. I unfortunately forgot, and the Baron was gracious enough to offer me a little something beforehand, but I obviously will not be eating at the feast. Uh, Morvan! Morvan! He calls across the room to this scrawny fellow. Why don't you serve this prick something? Thank you. Thank you very much, and I, I go along with Morvan. And so Morvan waves you over kind of hurriedly, and he's like, yeah, um, Morvan can't be more than, like, 14 years old. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and he's like, uh, yes, I'll, I'll get a plate for you together, uh, a bit of bread. Um, um, we have quite the feast going on tonight for the Baron and some illustrious guests. Um, oh, illustrious guests? Who might those be? I, I do not know. I don't concern myself with such things even, so it's 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 none of my business. Of course, of I, course. I keep my head down in the kitchen. Um, I, I don't wish to disturb anyone. There are servants and people everywhere. There's, okay. This is a huge room. There's got to be at least 30 to 40 people in here just going about, yelling orders, cooking things, getting stuff ready. You're kind of lost in it all. And Morvan grabs a plate, and he's just rambling on, talking, and he's motioning for you to follow him. And Maybe as so. he's going, he's just picking different things out of baskets <laughs> and off of tables and assembling them on this plate till it's like stacked three times as high as the plate is wide. Okay. And then he brings you to a very, very small table in the back furthest corner of the kitchen next to a closed wooden door. And he says, you can have your meal here. Um, good to meet you. Thank you very much. And actually, as Morvan starts walking away, obviously I have to do something important. Reese just reaches his arm out and grabs Morvan's arm pretty firmly and just looks at him. Morvan, I actually had one last question for you. What? You see, I had actually a particular request as far as the Count the, is this the food not too like? I, I can give you something else. No, no, no. Just, the, the, the food is very much to my liking. Morvan, Morvan, why, why don't you sit down? I, I'm sure there's more than enough people. There's only take... one chair at the table. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Morvan, how long have you been here? Uh, well, well, my mother's been indentured here for a good five years now, and uh, me the same. D- do you like it here? Uh, well enough. I mean, we have a roof over our heads, and we're not out in the cold and bleeding and dying, so and... it's better than the other ilk. And your entire time here, you say you grew up here. Have you ever met any other servants or any of the cooks who might have harbored some ill will against the Baron? Well, there's a lot of us here from Whitebridge. um, So if that says anything. It doesn't. He kind of gives you a quizzical look. He's like, it's the the little shanty on the southeastern part by the neck coming into the coming into Mayerhold. We're not as well treated as we could be. And does that bother any of these? I'm sure that you are accustomed to it, having grown up here, but do any of the, the older servants speak when they're alone? Oh, no, no, we're all very grateful of the Baron and his hospitality. The Baron is a very kind and gentle man. Well, and actually, as of late, it's, it's, it has been a bit odd in, in the castle and out, but 
Uh, that, that is not again not my concern. And, and he as, as a, tries to squirm away. And as a matter of fact, Reese actually kind of stands up a little bit, getting a little bit closer. This is actually a very important part of what I need to talk to you about. And his eyes are like wide. <laughs> yes. The, the Baron is not well at all, is he? No, not at all. How long has that been? We, we I, I do not know. It's, it's maybe, maybe going on uh, one year. Uh, ever since the disappearance of his son. Disappearance of his son. Was that unexpected, or did he go off to battle and just did not come back? Well, I uh, again, I do not concern myself with such things. Of course, I do not know. of course. Mor- Morvan, uh, I am sorry. I did not mean to hold your knee. He lets go of his grip a little bit. Can I ask one favor of you? Uh, please, sir, my lord, anything. Before the feast tonight, can I count on you to keep your eyes open for anything interesting or str- out of out of the ordinary going on here in the kitchen? Well, I mean, we do have many chefs from afar. It's a it's a quite elaborate feast, so there are uh, servants from odd lands that I do not know and cannot name. So. Of course, of course. And I do not need you to keep an eye on particularly those with names that you do not know, but you've got a keen eye. You're a smart lad. Uh, I, thank you. I, I trust you can tell when something is wrong or out of place. Yes, yes. If anything is amiss, I'll come running. Very well. Thank you. And he kind of gestures for him to go off. Uh, what, what was your name, my lord? Charles. Uh, very well. So, Charles... And he bows his head, and he scampers back into the kitchen. Very well. Reese kind of turns to his plate. It's overflowing. Things have been falling off during this whole time. <laughs> and he picks up some. He can't really even eat because he has his mask on. But he takes up something that'll fit through his mouth hole and starts kind of nibbling on it. <laughs> and while, while he's nibbling, he's kind of peering around the kitchen, looking for not necessarily the man that pointed the cleaver at him when he came in, but other figures that look like they could be of authority in the kitchen. Do a perception check. Three. Nope. It's it, like there's just a wall of people. Okay. Indistinguishable. Very well. Then leaving the kitchen affairs in the capable hands of the, the young boy, Reese takes a few more items, stuffs them in his bag for later, stands up, and is there a separate section for the people who will be serving the food, or are they kind of just all jumbled together? Right now, you, you can't really tell the two apart. Uh, the only feature that stands out to you is that door that's right next to you. It's not the door I came in? No. Okay. Reese gets up, he walks by the door, and as he's going, he kind of brushes it open and just peeks in to see if he can see what's on the other side. It seems to be sort of a larder, and then there's another door at the end. There are maybe two or three servants inside gathering things up and putting things in crates or boxes, and then it seems there's another larger door where people seem to be bringing in supplies. Okay. So it's a larger storeroom. Larger storeroom. Then, very quickly, Reese pushes his way into the larder. Okay. You said there were like three servants in there? Yes. Okay. He pushes his way into the larder, doesn't even pay attention to the servants, and goes out into the, the outside area where people are carrying stuff in. Okay. So it's around sort of the back of the keep itself. There's a, a little postern gate that's been opened, and there are a few carts that have been pulled inside with a few mules. And there are a host of people unloading different things. And the people who are unloading the cargo do not look like servants of Baron Huttle. Rather, they are wearing quite flamboyant colors. And they are more like Ephron than anyone else. Hmm. Okay. But like flamboyant, are we talking like Mick flamboyant here or not quite? Yeah. Oh. Like, wow. Maybe not in like style, but definitely in color. Like, very bold greens and blues and yellows. Okay. Then Reese just strolls out. He sees them moving boxes and whatnot and just says, 
my friends helping out with the feast, are we? And one looks up and uh, a few of them look between each other and then one kind of puts down his box or gives it to another person. And he comes up to you and he extends his hand and he says, good day. Good day, sir. And he takes his hand. My name is Charles. I'm Holden's apprentice. (laughs) (laughs) And the man says, ah, my name is Lorik Benmetz. I believe I have a special delivery for you. Very well. Uh, Lorik, as a matter of fact, I was on my way here to pick that up. Yes, yes. Uh, One moment, please. And he steps down and he whispers something to one of the men. And they say, yes, if you'll just follow us inside, we'll take you right to it. Perfect. And they hop up to where you are. And then they walk inside the storeroom and lead you around a corner. And there's a sort of another door at the back of the storeroom. Do you follow them? Yes. Lorik opens the door and walks inside. And then the second man bids you enter and gives you a little bow. And just great graciously, I walk past him. Okay. And then he closes the door. They're going to shank me so bad. (laughs) And then they draw knives. Oh, my gosh. 